Hello, and welcome to the third season of Scene to Song, a musical theater podcast for people who love to discuss, critique, and celebrate musicals as a literary art form. I'm your host, Shoshana Greenberg, and each episode I'll bring on a guest to talk about a musical, musical theater writer, or a topic or trend in musical theater. My guest today is Beth Ann Freed Cohen. Beth Ann is a nurse who teaches people to be home health aides. She sings with the New York-based choruses Essential Voices USA and the Jewish People's Philharmonic Chorus, which has been singing Yiddish choral repertoire since 1922. We're going to talk today about the standalone TV musical episode. Welcome, Beth Ann. Thanks for coming back on to the podcast. I am delighted to talk to you anytime. This is the, you are the uh, second person who has been a repeat guest. So. I'm very honored. Well, let's get right into our get to know our guest questions. If you were to make our president or one of our government leaders uh, see a musical not necessarily playing right now, which musical would it be? So I don't actually care that much about our current leadership watching musicals. I don't necessarily think that they're teachable. But I think for the population of the country and the world, um, you know, we all grow up with different musicals, and I grew up with into the woods is probably the musical that I watched the most. And so at two different points in that musical, but really throughout it, there's this concept of nice is different than good, which is a line that, um, the child character or one of the child characters, little red riding hood says, but is also, um, a big part of the witches song. Um, when she's calling everyone nice as like, a derogatory and the idea that nice is different than good I think is a thing that uh, is something that should be imparted to children mm-hmm. and I think nice is important but understanding the difference between nice and good is, is also important what's your favorite musical that no one else has heard of so a few years ago I got to see this musical by Stephen Merritt and starring Jane Hoodyshell, Coraline, based on the children's book by um, Neil Gaiman. And I think this was actually before the movie came out. It might have been around like the same time. I remember seeing around, it. Yeah. I can't remember which one exactly came first. And um, it was my first introduction to the story. I had no idea what I was getting into. And all I knew was that there was this old lady on stage who was, being a child and the staging of it was just absolutely brilliant. They covered the stage in pianos. So there were like toy pianos and a piano on its side and, and just like keyboards everywhere. And, um, you know, one of the main characters in the show is a cat. So he would like walk over the pianos sometimes. And it was just, um, really cool. And the music was wonderful, and the acting was wonderful. And I got the the cast album because I was so enchanted by it. And then I didn't end up really listening to it because I realized I didn't necessarily love the music outside the context of the show. But it was just really an amazing experience, and uh, I wish I could have it again. Yeah, I think that was... It was off-Broadway at the Lucille Lortel Theater. Yes, that Um, sounds right. I think MCC put it on, but, yeah, I don't really remember what year, but it was around the year of the movie, which was 2009. Um, Yeah. Yeah, it was cool. Um, Who is your favorite hero character or protagonist in a musical, and who is your favorite villain character or antagonist in a musical? Well, I guess I have to, I guess I have to say Sweeney Todd for both of those, because I named my dog Sweeney. He's a little murderer. 
<laughs> and uh, my dog is just Shih Tzu. He's he's very cute and and fluffy and and um, I will say the way I came upon the name. I named my first dog Anya after the character in Buffy, which we'll talk about soon. And when it came to time to get another dog, I, I like to name after a character, and I was so sure I was going to get a female dog. Uh, I had all sorts of characters lined up, but then it turned out that the dog I was getting was, was male. And so I was like, oh, crap, I don't care about male characters as much as female characters. Who am I going to use? And so I went to Into the Woods because, of course, my favorite musical. And I was like, well, I can't name a dog the Baker. <laughs> and so I was like, Barker, Benjamin Barker, which and it, the funny thing is, it never even occurred to me I should name my dog Barker, even though uh, that would be like a dog name. Right. I, I went immediately from Baker to Barker, like went right over Barker and then to Sweeney. What is a moment in a musical that you think gets to a complex emotional state that you didn't think was possible to get to? Um, so I answered this question yeah. before. Um, <laughs> on, on the your podcast. Uh, yeah, and on I the said season a finale. Budheads, and we're going to be talking about Budheads more later. But um, I think, as we'll see when we're talking about musicals on TV, one of the reasons that musicals happen on TV is to get to these complex, most emotional states. So I think there are actually a lot of moments in the episodes we're going to be talking about that might answer the question. Well, then let's get on to our topic, which is standalone TV musical episodes. And we're focusing specifically on the TV episodes that are standalone within a larger series, um, but also um, have original songs to just kind of narrow it down a little bit. Um, Cause they, if you look at TV musical shows and episodes, there are a lot of different categories and ways to do it. So uh, we're going to be focusing, focusing on that. Yeah. So, um, what uh why did you pick this topic what drew you to talking about tv musical episodes so there are a lot of podcasts about tv shows and if you look at the podcast world there are like i don't know a bunch of podcasts about buffy there's some podcasts about scrubs there's podcasts about community any anything has a podcast um, and I've seen a number of both YouTube and podcast descriptions of TV musical episodes, but they've almost always been from the angle of television criticism. And I think that you in particular have a lot to say about um, TV musical episodes from the standpoint of of theater criticism and uh i think that there's a something new to be explored from that angle it is interesting with tv um and we'll talk about this when we get to the talking about the individual tv episodes but that what we're talking about is um setting up rules for the singing which um tv kind of has to do more than a stage musical because in TV, you're not expecting the characters to sing, but there are shows that kind of started with have, being like a musical episode, mu- I'm sorry, a musical TV show with original songs, um, and they kind of just, they there, there weren't those rules because they were trying to start from the beginning, like Cop Rock and, well, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, it kind, yeah, of, it kind of had rules, but... It makes its own rules. I just want to, I want to actually start by talking about Community, Mm -hmm. which did a musical episode. And in the case of Community, in some ways it has that same diegetic, non-diegetic problem of like, you know, they're singing and in the show they're singing, but it's just like coming out of nowhere. And it's, you know, sometimes they go into an alternate world. 
but on that show it works perfectly because the the way that the show community works is like fantastical things happen all the time and mm-hmm. and in like the episode after that there's two people having a pinball game and like it or uh, a foosball game that suddenly turns into a animated short so like in in the context i mean i think the context of each show matters a huge amount mm-hmm. so yeah. when we talk about buffy it's going to have to do with fantasy and monsters when we talk about scrubs it's going to have to do with illness and imagination and um and each show has to find its own way to making the singing work right i mean it's kind of like when you know with stage musical, any musical, why are they, like you still have to answer the question? Why are these characters singing? Even if you're going to yeah. start with a world where they just sing in the opening number, um, yeah. And um, yeah, but I, the problem I think <clears throat> not problem, but the the obstacle is greater I think when you have what we're talking we're going to be talking about mainly, which is a TV show that's not musical. TV show and they do one musical episode and then they have to kind of create that um, that reason Um, and so there has to be so there has to be a reason and um, and I think um, and there has to be a reason within the show so whether it's a monster that you know a, a dancing monster or a, um, you know, a head injury, there's a reason within the show. But more importantly, I think there has to be a reason outside of the show. Like, why did you choose to do a musical episode? Right. And oftentimes, you like, the writers are just like, we loved musicals and we really wanted to do it. But but I think deep down, there are also other reasons that each one works for the specific show. And I, I was trying to think, like, what was the first episode that did a musical episode in this way with original songs that was just a one-off episode? And So Xena had, I mean, I'm listing shows that I don't know, but Xena had, like, two musical episodes. Okay, with original songs. Further, yeah, and further back, there are other shows that had songs. I think everyone can agree that, that um, the Buffy musical was pretty groundbreaking. Yeah, well, that's what I'm talking well, about. Maybe not everyone, but people who are cool. <laughs> Should we get into the Buffy episode? Absolutely. So, as we mentioned, what's really nice about the Buffy episode is that the singing is explained. Um, and, uh, and it's kind of like, you know, in the, in the Buffy world logic, uh, that's an actual reason, uh, for this to be the one episode in which they sing. It's not like, you know, all of a sudden we're going to sing and why aren't we continuing to sing? You know, there's a definite reason, which is that this, there's a demon, which is very much in the world of Buffy, the vampire slayer. There's a demon that's um, making people uh, sing, and we find out as the episode goes on that it's not all just, like, fun song and dance, that he's actually making them, he, like, gets them to dance so crazily that they, like, explode, or they burn up and die. Um, So that's why they have to stop. The demon. So there's an in-world explanation, but the in-world explanation doesn't come until the end. So a lot of the plot of the episode, or not really the plot, but one of one of the features of the episode is them trying to figure out why, why they're singing. And there's a lot of people start singing and then kind of like do a little grimace of like, oh my God, I'm singing. Yeah. So there's that. So unlike a, a musical it's they, there's an awareness of the singing, but they're still singing um, as though they are in a musical. Um, but what I also think is fun in the episode is that it's it's kind of established that there are songs going on that we don't even get to hear, but they're just referred to. 
which I think is fun. That's my favorite thing about this show. And I think it's because it's such a beautiful commentary on like every musical that's ever occurred. Mm -hmm. Like if you are looking at a character who lives in a world of a musical, like, you know, there's the show that you watched where there's this musical happening, but like in the next house, there's some other, you know, either major life event or triviality that's coming into song. Mm-hmm. So, um, probably one of the most famous moments of the show is is uh, the core core gang of of they call themselves the Scooby Gang. It's is the uh, the monster hunters led by Buffy um, have a song called "I Have a Theory," where they're all trying to figure out why this musical is happening all around them, and they ask, you know, is it just us? Are we the only ones who are having this happen? And they open the door and just look outside and there's just this one second music, like finale of a musical number of a bunch of people dancing around where they're dry cleaning, dry cleaning. They got the mustard out. They got the tells you everything you need to know in just a couple of notes it's, <laughs> it's pretty fantastic yeah and they when they first discover that they've all that they they have all burst into song they like reference the songs they sang last the previous night um <laughs> and it's one of which we actually get to hear in a season seven episode. oh right um they they do a flashback um yeah, and what's also really good about this episode, um, just in terms of, like, the logic of it, is that all the songs have, like, a purpose. Like, the so- not all, like, the songs in general, like, the idea of the songs have a purpose and that the characters are all keeping secrets and that these secrets are, that things are coming out in these songs. Um well, I actually just listened to your last episode, um, Cole Porter, the Cole Porter episode that you did of this show. Mm -hmm. And I really felt um, that there were a lot of elements of what you were talking about in that, in the Buffy musical episode. Mm -hmm. Um, Especially when you think about the song, I'm under your spell. So uh, the season six of Buffy is actually very heavy. It deals with domestic abuse and it, deals with uh, depression and um, it actually deals very heavily with toxic masculinity and um, and this episode doesn't shy away from any of those themes Mm -hmm. and one thing that's happened is that uh, the character Willow who's a witch has been fighting with her girlfriend Tara and has done a spell on Tara to make her forget about the argument that they had. And it's super not okay. And they have this really lovely duet where Tara sings about um, being under your spell, being under uh, Willow's spell. And it's just this lovely kind of, I don't know, maybe Disney style love song or whatever style you want to call it. I'm under your spell. How else could it be? Anyone would notice me. It's magic I can tell. How you set me free. Brought me out so easily. I saw a whole world enchanted. Spirits and charms in the air. And it's very much a double meaning of, you know, it turns out that she's under an actual spell and is being manipulated in a very not cool way. And the, and, um, I think that there's a lot of that. Um, I think what Cole Porter did and what you talked about in that episode is taking a really upsetting topic 
and making it kind of fun and silly by putting it on top of fun and silly music. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things you can do with musical theater is take uh, something really deep and upsetting and make it less upsetting by making it jaunty. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that's done at several times through the show. Yeah, that's a, talk- yeah, that's an interesting ex- it's an interesting example that song. Yeah, um, we've been talking about how they justified the singing within the show, but as I was saying, it's really also important as externally to justify the singing. Uh, you know, there were a couple good singers in the cast, um, but it was not a particularly uh, musically adept cast, mm-hmm. and you know, they, they sing fine and they do their best and they, and they really worked on it, but that clearly was not the impetus for doing this. Mm-hmm. Uh, the impetus was that Joss Whedon is really obsessed with musicals. Joss Whedon is the creator. The creator of the show. Mm-hmm. And really went over time and basically spent his summer vacation writing a musical because it was that important to him to do this and to do it right. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is an action show, so it's not like it's not like it's an easy show to put together week to week. Anyway, they have, you know, a, a very demanding shooting schedule. A lot of these shows, people work long hours and do a lot of work, but this was, yeah, way beyond that. <laughs> and it's an it's an hour long and show, um, it, which an, makes it it's harder. an hour long show. It's usually a forty minute show. Um, with commercials. Mm-hmm. So they had to extend the runtime. It was an event. Yeah. I want to get back to um, I'm Under Your Spell because I think it highlights um, what I think is the biggest strength of this episode, um, which is that it's it's a book. It really is a book musical episode. It's really just a part. The plot is... Um, still the plot of the episode. It's not something that they, like, it's not like a one-off episode where they're like, we're going to do the musical and these songs are just going to be fun songs. Um, yeah. And it, but it, it's... This episode re- does not lift out of the series. I mean, yeah. it, and we can talk about how it actually does and it has, mm-hmm. but you cannot, you know, any listeners out there who don't watch Buffy, um, don't start with this one. <laughs> <laughs> Well, and it's interesting because then you you do have a song like "I'm Under Your Spell," and you wa- if you watched it without that context of what had happened in the previous episode with their relationship, it is you you do see it at first kind of as like a as like a f- beautiful love duet where she's in love with her. I'm under your spell. It doesn't get and until we get to the reprise of the song. It, I like I love how they use the reprise in that way to actually be about what it what it's actually about you know what the song is actually about she realizes what's going on with uh the spell it really delves deep into the history of the show things that tara had gone through the year before and Mm -hmm. and all of the ways in which she's been violated my my kind of point of view on this episode is that i love that it's a book musical but then it also because it's so good at being a book musical I I feel like it's trying to be both a book musical and kind of meta like we're doing a musical at the same time and there I mean the episode does have a you know an element of meta in it because they are aware of that they're singing but I think that where the episode is and the writing are strongest is when it's like really just being a tv episode with songs like an actual book musical because I feel like yeah. it can't really be both. I kind of disagree with you because I feel like, um, well, I mentioned they got the mustard out. And also there's a brilliant scene where some characters are having a discussion and they fade into the background. And we like walk through three other musicals happening, one of which about like somebody getting a parking ticket. Well, I'm not talking about, dirty. I'm not talking about those songs. I'm talking about more like, um, well, that discussion that you're talking about that fades into the background is uh, Anya, they, Anya and Xander is a couple and they've just sung their duet 
And Anya's talking about, is my song going to be the breakaway pop hit? And it's cute. It's funny. But a conversation like that is 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 where it goes over the line of meta for me, um, where like we're now just commenting on the fact that we're doing a musical. I guess I get what you're saying. It never, for me, crosses the line, which I don't like, which is into making fun of musicals. No, I'm not saying it does that. I'm just saying, like, it's so amazing that it's achieved this this thing that is a book musical episode of TV that works. And whenever it whenever it kind of shies away from that is, is where it's frustrating for me. It's like um, another just like one off line um, in the through the fire song where Willow has this the line I think this line's mostly filler um, again it's like yeah, so fu- my least favorite line of the show <laughs> yeah I mean again it's like it's funny it's cute uh, it's a, like a wink to like the fact that she is an actor that doesn't sing much in this episode because I don't think her I don't think Allison Hannigan could sing but um, and uh, but again it's like we have this great, like, you're creating this great thing with great lyrics and, and book, like, you throw in a line like that, and it's like, it takes me out. That's where I'm like, oh, that's the writer, you know? Again, these are, like, nitpicky things, cause I, but because the, I feel like the episode is so... It good at what it to does that level of criticism a lot of things don't right <laughs> i think one of my favorite lines in the whole show is is buffy is doing a solo um where she's really revealing her soul i mean i think so one of the things that works so well about this episode is that it it takes advantage of the best thing that musicals do which is gives people a chance to reveal their inner thoughts in in a poetic way mm-hmm. and so Buffy is um kind of on stage revealing her soul and her mentor figure Giles comes in and is, says Buffy needs backup mm-hmm. and sends two of the girls to sing with her yeah <laughs> and you know needs backup as in like help with a fight but in this case it's like she needs backup singers yeah <laughs> and they get get behind her and start singing Oz right and it's just like it's it is meta it is a little bit winky but it I thought that that was adorable yeah that one doesn't bother me as much because it's still like it's still within like what they're doing in the moment yeah but yeah I wanted to talk about the musical structure of the episode in his Joss Whedon's like analysis of it he says he starts with like the classic I want song which is the going through the motions um, and I think it's, I, I love the, st- I think it's a, like a really strong start because he does use like that, um, tried and true, like, um, I want song kind of opening. But it's also an I want song for a character who is this interesting combination of extremely good at her job and super depressed. Yeah. Also, it's not necessarily a state that you can come to in a standalone play necessarily mm-hmm. the fact that the character has so much backstory makes it a very rich place to come to an i want usually the i want song is an introduction to a character right we don't need to be introduced to buffy we know buffy every single night the same arrangement i go out and fight the fight Still I always feel the strangest estrangement Nothing here is real, nothing here is right I've been making shows of trading blows Just hoping no one knows That I've been going through the motions Walking through the part Nothing seems to penetrate my heart The song doesn't fall into like the trap of kind of a depressed character starting a, a musical which would be um, the I want song becomes an I don't want song, which is never a good idea. Like, a, like a, a bad idea for an opening song like this would be like, I don't want to do this anymore, you know, which is what she's feeling. But, um, but it, but it does be, but it is the I want. An example of that kind of song, because I'm not really aware of it. Well, it's, I mean, people, 
you don't see it because it generally because it's you know not it's not a good way to start a show but um one classic example um most people don't know this show but it's um the goodbye girl which was a 1993 uh musical adaptation of the neil simon play um marvin hamlish and david zippel and her the main character has just been dumped um she thought she was going to move in with her boyfriend and move and instead she's dumped and she's stuck in her where she is and she her opening song is no more like no more guys like no more this no more that so it's kind of like a you know and i don't it's like an i don't want song um and you want to know what the character wants like it doesn't matter what they don't want you know we want to know there's plenty of things people don't want we want to know what they want so it's nice that even though buffy's in the state of like i don't want to i don't want to be alive you know or well she does want to feel alive that's the i want but she she's in this state of like she as long as she's gonna be alive she wants to feel alive and that like that is um a really powerful thing and works so much as an i want for somebody who has so many who's going through a depressed i don't want like emotional state right now I don't want to be Going through the motions Losing all my drive I can't even see If this is really me And I just want to be And I also wanted to talk about more structure of the episode um, with the other songs. Um, There's two typical, like, song forms for musicals. And one of them is the verse-chorus song, which you see a lot in pop. And the other is, like, an A-A-B-A form, where you have, like, two verses, a bridge that's kind of like a departure, and then a return to the final A. You may have like talked about these on the uh, podcast before, but pop song songwriters usually write in a verse chorus form because it's a pop form. Um, and I like one thing that I wish were better in this episode is that if Joss Whedon, who wrote all the songs, um, would use the AABA form more or if he were using the verse chorus to really use the verse chorus dramatically. Um, A lot of times, and I think because he's not really a musical theater writer, he's not, he's not thinking about that maybe, but um, I feel like there are certain moments where the episode, where the songs could be even better and like have more dramatic effect if he used the forms to what they were meant to do. A song like Going Through the Motions, which we've just discussed, that's, I, I think that can be considered A-A-B-A. Um, and I've got a theory, which is the next major song. So those are like the the two songs, I think, that are not verse-chorus, but every other song is basically a verse-chorus song. Um, and then um, the song I really want to focus on is the Something to Sing About, which is the kind of the climax of the show yeah yeah it's kind of the climax of the show it's not the final song it's the climax song i guess yeah yeah so at this point like buffy is confronting the demon who we should say is played by hinton battle they got a (laughs) yeah they got a musical theater person in there to really bring the bring the fun in as the lyric goes but bring (laughs) bring the musical theater um (laughs) what I mean, bring the talent in. Yeah, bring the talent in. Um, so yeah. anyway, so she's confronting the the demon. Um, and but also, you know, as the songs do in this episode, it's also where the secret she's been holding in is going to come out. Um, and I just wish that the form of this song really helped that reveal land better 
because I just feel like in if that if it had not been sung, if this had just been a dramatic scene, um, which is, you know, what Buffy does so well, it would have I can just imagine this landing so much better with the I mean, we know the audience knows, but just like the reveal for the other characters. Um, but instead, it comes out in this song and we've got this song form that's it's a verse chorus song but it's like verse verse and then there's a kind of like a pre-chorus which is like the the fast where she's fighting thing or the dance, dance break yeah life's a show and we all play our part and when the music starts we open up our And then it goes into the chorus, give me something to sing about, you know. Give me something to sing about. I need something to sing about. Then there's two more verses. The pre-chorus starts again you think you're kind of in that form of like verse, verse, chorus, verse, verse, chorus. But before the chorus can come back in, she goes right into this weird bridge section where the reveal comes. There was no pain, no fear, no doubt. Till they pulled me out of heaven So that's my refrain I live in hell Cause I've been expelled from heaven I think I was in heaven So give me something One, I just, I, I'm not a fan of that, that music, but I, but to me, it's like, we're not in a, we're not in any form that's, that's doing anything to make that land. I also wonder like if that, if it had been an AABA and that was the bridge and then the bridge, you know, was moving back into another A kind of thing. I, to me, it was, I was always like, what is going on in this song? I'm very confused about the musical sections and like this this major moment is just not is just not landing for me the moment you're referring to which um is not actually out of tune but it's a bit dissonant it's like it's a, not even dissonant it's just it's just a, a minor need no fear no doubt till they pulled me out of heaven so that's my refrain i live in hell because i've big because I've been expelled from heaven. Um, yeah, it's, I think it's using the diminished fifth. In the social experience of going to do this, like, a Rocky Horror type thing, uh, they would hand out kazoos, and we would kazoo along with her saying heaven. Mm -hmm. And um, I never hated it quite as much as a lot of other people, but <laughs> it, is a, it is not just for the episode, not just for the musical, but for the series itself, it's a very important bit of information right. that um, truly impacts the lives of not just her, but um, the people around her. It's it's a major revelation. And the fact that uh, it becomes this thing that people make fun of is does 
does no one any favors. <laughs> <laughs> and then we get to the resolution of the episode, um, which is Xander being the one that actually summoned the demon because he wanted dancing and songs and a happy ending. Yes, which I think, um, I feel like a lot of, and in this case, well, maybe just because Xander's not a musical person, mm-hmm. I feel like there's this misconception a, a, around among people who are not into musicals that musicals are this, like, happy-go-lucky thing. Mm-hmm. Which I don't think they are. Right. Um, and uh, so I guess in some senses it's it's consistent with his character that he would think that. Although there's nothing about this action which is consistent with his character and it's very stupid and yeah. everybody hates it. <laughs> yeah, I'm choosing to look at it as just like a meta commentary, as you said, of like, people think musicals are happy comedies, where people sing and dance and everything works out, but wrong! Musicals have songs and dancing, but they can be dark and dangerous and like, I mean, bad, even, like... even Xander and Anya's uh, musical number, which is probably the most joyous of the show, Mm -hmm. they do have actually a fair amount of seriousness in their song. Mm -hmm. Uh, Even though it it feels happy-go-lucky, they sing a song about, you know, how they love each other, but they annoy each other. Yeah, and and they... they, Very 50s throwback. Yeah, and they talk about how they're, deep down, they're kind of scared about what's going to happen, you know? I mean... And that's the thing with musicals, that that even when they have, um, you know, lightness to them, there's there's always the possibility for some some, you know, real pathos. Let's um move to the Scrubs episode. Yeah, I don't have too much to say about that because I think the Scrubs episode is great for what it is. It's very cute. Um, it really can't hold a candle. I mean, there are very few things in television that can hold a candle to the to the Buffy musical episode. What I liked about um, the Scrubs episode, though, I don't watch it's, Scrubs, it's but cute. it's cute. But what I, and and I liked how there are. It was obvious that like plot lines were continuing through it. Like it was still like in the similar vein oh, to yeah, Buffy. Very much part of the show. Yeah. Um, I, I wanted to say that Buffy and Scrubs are both uniquely suited and and community all have reasons that those shows work really well for a musical. Mm-hmm. In, in community, it's because... And community, the musical episode is not just... Uh, it's kind of a parody of Glee, but it's also a bit of a parody of um, Invasion of the Body Snatchers. So, like, as each person starts singing, it's like... <laughs> it's like they've been body snatched, which mm-hmm. is adds another layer of cleverness to it. Yeah. But when when you put in a musical episode, there has to be some underlying thing about the show that you're doing that makes it work. And in the case of Community, it's because that show is all about, you know, just kind of breaking genre constantly and every episode is something kind of completely new and different. Um, Scrubs, the kind of basis of Scrubs is that it's about young adults who are irresponsible in all the ways that young adults are, but are also doctors and nurses, so they're incredibly responsible. And the show is all from the point of view of the main character's inner thought process, so throughout the show things will happen and he'll be having a running commentary from in his brain and then um, there'll be some sort of a cartoony thing that happens that explains his thought process. So, you know, a a client tells him or a a patient tells him that she's ready to die and a delivery guy comes in and says, ton of bricks for Dr. Dorian and then all of a sudden a ton of bricks falls on him. Mm -hmm. So it's it's got a cartoony element like that. Mm -hmm. And so it's already about people's inner lives and already about kind of the silliness that that happens when you're dealing with life or death all the time. 
So it was really primed for having a musical episode. The explanation for the musical episode in story is also, you know, cute and sad at the same time, which is that a woman collapses and when she wakes up, everything that's happening around her is sung. So um, throughout the episode, people will be talking, but then once this character enters the scene, uh, they start singing. Yeah, and they really stick to that rule, like... People will be talking and all of a sudden she'll be like wheeled by and they'll be singing and then she'll leave and they'll start talking again. <laughs> yeah, which is, which is really quite adorable. I mean, other than the fact that a lot of them are disgusting things in front of her, which should not be discussed in front of her. <laughs> right, right. Um, but I was going to say what I what I loved about this as just someone who doesn't know the show is that it really felt like I could like it was kind of like a standalone musical in a way like i i got every i felt like i got everything i needed to know like all the information i needed to really enjoy it and like the characters felt really rich i'm sure like there's more i could have gotten have had i you know been following the storyline you know throughout the show but but i think it also has to do with like they put on a very classic opening number to the sh- to the episode um welcome to sacred heart and it just like does what an opening number in shows do and which is introduces you to the hospital and the tone of the show so like with that opening number i felt like oh like i i'm you know watching this 20 minute or 25 minute musical and i know who these people are what you know what they are you know, what the problem is, what they want. Like, it was all, like, very well laid out. Hello, I'm Dr. Kelso. I'm delighted that you came. So the doctors say you fainted and you don't know what's to blame. Well, put your mind at ease. There's no ill we can't outsmart on behalf of all who work here. Welcome to Sacred Excellent. You couldn't ask for more. As long as you avoid the bathrooms on the second floor. This is Dr. Cox. I'll be giving him your chart. And that's Dr. Kelso, the kiss-ass of Sacred Heart. One of the main uh, storylines of it is that there's a couple uh, uh, who's a doctor and a nurse. And they just had a baby. And the the wife, the nurse, wants to go back to like they're deciding whether or not she's going to go back to work they're working that out which is just like a very human discussion that couples go through every day Mm -hmm. in this country yeah that had like and and it was resolved by the end of the episode like it's the the that problem started at the beginning of the episode it was resolved at the end i mean it probably was brewing beforehand but same with um interestingly they don't sing about that problem well, they, they ended have... up having a completely different song about yeah. how uh, Turk, who's who's black, can't uh, played by Donald Faison, can't remember that his wife is Dominican and not he like calls her Puerto Rican or something. Yeah, yeah, it is weird that they that's not there. Yeah, um, <laughs> I, yeah, um, probably could have been a different song. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just that's the song that they had. <laughs> Um, but the songs are very cute and they're, and they're well-written and, um, they do actually lift out of the show quite nicely. Yeah. Well, they, and we should mention that they did have a musical theater songwriting team come in to work on not all the songs, but, uh, quite a few of them for the show. So it did have the influence of, um, like, musical theater writers it was a team who wrote avenue q you know unlike buffy this is a half hour show so it's already light um and whenever you know when you're doing like a short form musical even a 40 minute musical like buffy was um but when you're doing a short form musical it it usually helps for it to be on the lighter side because you're going to move fast through a lot of things i do want to point out that scrubs has done a lot of stuff with musical elements before and after this, some of which are extremely emotional. And so they really had the framework to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but they did a really good job. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's really fun. Um, 
I, I do want to mention the Flash musical episode because I just remember being really disappointed about it. And I think it all comes back to the reasons for doing your musical episode. Um, there's no reason that Flash shouldn't have a musical episode. And in fact, the reasons for doing one, especially as it was done, which was a crossover with, um, with Supergirl, are pretty good, which is to say that there is a depth of talent Broadway talent in the cast of all the DCU shows on the CW that is kind of astounding. Um, so in in that episode, they had Jeremy Jordan and Victor Garber and um, yeah, it, it kind of the list goes on. Um, and they didn't they wrote two original songs for it. Um, one of which I think works and the other one is horrible (laughs) (laughs) and it just, it just felt so flat to me. Mm -hmm. And it was like, you know, I had really looked forward to it because I really wanted to see all these people singing. And it just made me realize that just because you have a cast that can sing even like really sing and really dance and are really, truly wonderful, all of them. Uh, it's not, that's not the reason to do a Mm -hmm. musical episode. We should talk about our Why Is This So Good song, um, which is from the Scrubs musical episode. Everything comes down to poop. That's it. Mm -hmm. So in my real life, I am a nurse. I teach home health aides. So I take uh, groups of students um, who you know, uh, adult students, and I turn them into home health aides who take care of people. And um, I get to, I my class, I use a lot of videos. I actually use a number of songs from Crazy Ex-Girlfriend in my class. Um, and I use a bunch of different things. And one of the things I use is Everything Comes Down to Poop. So... Um, even though I hadn't seen the Scrubs musical start to finish in a while, I've heard that song once a month, every (laughs) month for the past two years. Um, and, uh, I, I do enjoy it (laughs) (laughs) and there's nothing, I don't know. Is it as good as many of the songs that your guests do in their, why is this so good section? Probably not. (laughs) I, I mean, Um, I would say it's still good. I, I enjoyed it. Hey, Miss Miller, we just need a stool sample. Why do you need a stool sample if you think I'm just a nut? Cause the answer's not in your head, my dear. It's in your butt. You see, everything comes down to poo. From the top of your head to the sole of your shoe. We can figure out what's wrong with you by looking at your poo. One thing that I and many other people enjoy about Scrubs is, you know, there are a lot of medical shows out there, both dramas and comedies. Scrubs is often held up as being one of the most realistic. And like I said, it's got a lot of fantasy elements in the show, and it's very silly, it's very sitcom-y, but um, the way it's emotionally true to what Mm -hmm. it's like to work with sick people, to, to be... I'm not a doctor, but to be a nurse, um, and to the to the experience of that. And one of the things that's true is we deal with a lot of poop, especially uh, in the job that I'm teaching my my students. And we have a lot of different words that we use for poop, some of which are listed in the song, and some of which are not. <laughs> And so um, I do teach my students how to collect a stool sample and I kind of lead them in with this song and I don't use this. I use some of the songs that I use for educational purposes. This one is just like a fun little diversion. But I think the thing about this that uh, I really, I really like and why it's worthy of talking about in the why is this so good setting is um, it's not so much in the song, but it's actually the visual. When you when you watch the video, um, it's these two doctors who are best friends um, talking to this woman about needing her stool sample. 
in real life, the doctors would not be spending all this time explaining to her why she needs a stool sample, but they're enjoying themselves. And what you see is, first of all, her reaction is like, why, why do you need my poop? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which is a very common reaction you get from people when you ask them for a stool sample of like, <laughs> really? Um, and, and then them just like getting very excited about all the things that you can learn about a person from their poop. Um, and of course the, the li- examples that they list in the song are not actually real. My stomach hurts. Check the poo. Sprain my ankle. Check the poo. I was shot. Check the poo. A homeless guy threw poo in my eye. Check the poo. Mine are his. First him, then you. It may sound gross. You may say shush. But we need to see what comes out of your tush. All the patients are like kind of grossed out and and upset by this kind of invasion of their privacy and to the doctors it's like this really interesting thing of like oh i can find all this stuff out if i just like look at us you know if i send this to the lab and find out all this interesting things about people Mm -hmm. and the disconnect between how doctors feel when they're treating a patient and how patients feel when they're being treated uh is is a really important one in, in all of healthcare and is actually really beautifully uh, illustrated in the show and in the song specifically. Yeah, I think, I mean, the lyrics in this are really fun and, and clever and cute, but I think what makes this song so good in my mind is just the idea for it, like to have a song that's about this um, and the fact that it that it works so well. And also, like, the, the whole Scrubs musical has a lot of very clever rhymes in it. And this this song in particular, they make a lot out of coming up with different words for poop. Mm-hmm. And especially the end of the song goes, Everything comes down to songs I could have done uh, for why is this so good but I just thought it would be fun to do something really surfacey and fun should we go to our final section uh, something wonderful or we just talk about uh, something in musical theater that we're excited about and want to give a shout out to I you know I look forward to going out and seeing people and being in the theater like I was saying with Buffy you know it started as a thing that you sit at home and watch, but it very quickly became a thing that people go out and do. And there, there are multiple formats. There are Buffy sing-alongs, but there's also a theater troupe that does like a reenactment of the Buffy musical, which is just like amazing. And, and there's really something about musical theater that just works in going to see things with people. And I, I miss that. But that being said, uh, there are so many things that we can do uh, in our homes. And uh, I'm looking forward to rewatching Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, which which really deserves it. Because um, as wonderful as the songs in Buffy and, um, and Scrubs and as many wonderful songs that there are out there, uh, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend really did manage to sustain amazing songwritings over several seasons and have just moments of absolute joy and absolute pathos. And uh, yeah, I think I think I have enough pathos in my life right now, but I guess I could use some more joy. <laughs> Thank you all for listening to this episode of Scene to Song. You can write to scenetosong at gmail.com with a comment or question about an episode or about musical theater, or if you'd like to be a podcast guest. Love this podcast? Help it find more listeners by taking a moment to rate it on Apple Podcasts and leave a review. Follow us on Instagram at Scene to Song, on Twitter at Scene Song, and on Facebook at Scene to Song with Shoshana Greenberg Podcast. 
The theme music you are hearing is by Julia Meinwald. And check back here in two weeks for our next episode. Thank you.